Yeah. I be saucing with the simplest and flowing over instrumentals. I'm hot when it's cold. I shock you with these elementals. Let me drill in your brain so I can interview your mental. Uh. Don't worry, I'll be gentle, I'm on some of that next level Climb a stairwell escalator, I'm coming with the force Skywalk elevator, I mark before Luke and all the Johns right, coming later What's going on everybody, this is your girl BW And we're here back again with another episode of the Black Picture Podcast um, You down with BPP? Yeah, you, you know, know me. me Thank you, yes, y'all got it to be guests on the show um, The Black Picture Podcast is a podcast that we explore films and television series That star black actors and are made by black filmmakers We have special guests with us, TJ and Edward Go ahead and introduce yourselves uh, Yo, I'm TJ, I am the newest member of the Modern Crowd uh, Writer, director, producer, editor Ready to get this podcast started. I'm right then in Edward. Peace, one love, Edward Varney, screenwriter, director, you know, out here just trying to make indie films that challenge the status quo and make you think, you know. Right. And we're going to be reviewing uh, Edward's short film, Wait. But first, before we get into that, what's been going on with your house life? How have you been living? Um, straight. <laughs> just <laughs> That's straight. all I can say. Well, hopefully it get better. <laughs> It gets better trying, to get, trying to get into that uh, TV work like you over there. I got you, TJ. I got you. I got you. After that, then I'll be more than straight. Okay, more than straight. Great. How about um, you? I got to tell you, I feel like I feel pretty good just trying to stay in a creative space. It's been a transformational, transitional time in my life, and I think I'm getting ready to go into this next phase of creating, you know, working on a, a feature I'm really passionate about. Got a short film and post, and you know, just trying to keep the creative energy going, you know. So, right, we need soul. some of that to rub off on TJ because he needs to get a little <laughs> bit more life. Yeah, <laughs> but we got you, TJ, and we got you. So, like I said, we're going to review Edward's short film, Wait. He wrote and directed it. So, go ahead and tell us, like, the log line, the simple premise of what Wait is about. In the wake of losing her dearly beloved boyfriend, a young woman must decide whether or not to keep her child in this next phase of her life while living with her deceased partner's brother, who is a member of the same police force that is has a great influence in terms of his passing. So the short end of it. So, yeah. Yeah, it was a, it was a great movie. What inspired that movie well fascinating thing um, full disclosure weight is a piece from a bigger feature i've been developing for about that's exactly what i was about to ask because i felt like that could be like a feature like it was like a scene out of a feature thank you thank you it's literally um the feature itself is an ensemble piece about this community that has the character in question the short raymond tillman passing and literally i just pulled his girlfriend's narrative beats of it because those um small enough to shoot coherently without going too big but also too and this is where i got to give a shout out to uh miss tiffany tahada moore my awesome cinematographer mm -hmm. you know jedi night master in new york she was like hey we should shoot something you know i know you got something laying around and i sent her the script and she literally like sent me a plane ticket and we were shooting two weeks later oh wow yeah so it's just um that was definitely the short and then also two time capsule we shot the week before the pandemic hit like literally mm. Flying was out, right on time. you heard these whispers about, oh, there's this, there's this China virus coming down the pipe. I was like, what are you talking about? We're in New York shooting. And then 
literally if I probably I was going to fly back that Tuesday from New York if I would have waited till that Tuesday I would have been stuck out, out there so it's kind of like interesting to look at it now in terms of where we've been removed from two years ago you know so that's essentially where it came from it's from a bigger piece called Marco Flood been de developing it for about seven plus years now really passionate it's about a lot of the social political conversations in the short but essentially about a character's transformation in the wake of where's the intersection at between activism and commerce essentially mm -hmm. right and, but that part of the story is essentially the human element of it you know what Monet goes through, you know. Right. And I liked her, um, kind of the struggle that she was having, like, should I keep the child? Should I not keep the child? Like, well, I think she was, like, was more leaning towards, you know, go ahead and get rid of it. But at the end, it was like, wait, did she? Or did she not, you know, because, like, it yeah, cut. Uh, and battle, battle with that question, is she going to do it for herself or for her, well, I guess her brother, basically, yeah. the child's. The child's uncle. uncle, right? But it's like, mm, are you gonna keep this baby every day? <laughs> it's tough. I mean, I think it's a. We have these conversations. Obviously, I know in the black community, not to make this a political podcast, everyone <laughs> that of um, obviously growing up so deep in tune of our spirituality and religion and stuff that it's just presumed that under every circumstance, the black woman is supposed to keep the child. But at least for me, and once again, full disclosure, in the actual feature film, it's never really a question who's going to keep the child. It's more so what kind of world am I bringing this child into mm -hmm. while looking at this uncle. And I think, you know, we have these conversations about masculinity and what does it really mean to be a black man in the black community. It's very much putting Raymond's older brother in a tough place because he's a dedicated older brother to his family, but he's given his life to the Blue Shield. And now he's watching the Blue Shield treat his family like he's seen other families be treated. And all she knows is he's coming home every day, you know, not really talking about Raymond and stuff and not doing anything. So to go back to your question is, we, oh, yeah, you just keep the child and stuff. But, oh, yeah, I'm not going to give you a place to live. I'm not going to help you support the child. I'm right. not even going to pop in once a week. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, I might make the birthday appearance. So I think right. it's a very, very real conversation that I thought for a short would kind of get in and out of it because clearly she's in that weird 24 date period you know where it's like if you're gonna terminate go ahead and do it yeah, right so you're right and it also brings up like the theme of like body ownership because this man is trying to tell this woman what to do with her body like no keep the baby like this is the only family that i have but it's like you have no say so as to what's really going on with me and, and uh that's a great point because it's obviously i know no one's ever contextualized like that but it is a real conversation to have to where i'm I'm off the school in mind. If you decide to take off the rubber, brother, you give away all control. So it's, <laughs> so it's just like if she wants to have your child and move to a commune and stuff, hey, no one told you to get that comfortable. But right. <laughs> I think there's something to be said, especially in the context of the short, to the emotional distress that she's under and stuff to where she's suffocating. It's just like it's not just being a mother. It's literally being a mother to this young person that's going to look like your best friend and his or her father for life. And you're right. going to have to relitigate that. constant remembrance. While, while constantly like, oh yeah, by the way, the person that told me to keep you, I don't know if he's doing everything in his power to get justice for your, for, right. your, for your father. So it's just a lot of myriad of questions, but you know, so yeah. Right. I got uh, one question about the friend, the girlfriend, was that like just a friend or? That's in the screenplay, that is her best friend, okay. so to speak. So Just yeah, you know, okay. one of my one of my best friends in real life, uh, Miss MJ Newby and stuff, really, really great actress. She'll keep an outlook keep a yeah. lookout for her. She's definitely making waves and stuff. But in the context of the story, um, Leslie, once again, going back to the feature, 
she's strong in the community in terms of activism and she has a women's rights recovery group for women who are victims of violence towards police related violence mm -hmm. women and her aspect of the story which we can get to in the short is she's galvanizing the black women in this community to take ownership to do their own form of activism that's not on us to wait for men in power mm -hmm. black men at that mm -hmm. to give us our justice we need to go out here and do these marches we need to go and it's also from the right place too because i think yeah, yeah. Uh, if, I, if i could have done the short again i wanted to get into those conversations with our relationship with activism because i think over over the last two or three years that's changed so much mm -hmm. now that we know what we know about black lives matter and now what we know about the political commerce of money leaking into our activism and how interests are made, figureheads, stuff like that, you know, which the feature gets into. But yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. She, was, she was definitely militant. She was ready to oh, jump, yeah. down, <laughs> jump down that cop's throat. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. Because so. I was like, first of all, how you going to walk in somebody's house talking to my crazy? And because, I mean, with the brother-in-law, well, he's really not brother-in-law because they're not married, the boyfriend brother, um, he just seemed like, I know you was trying to make it so that you really don't know what side of the fence he's playing on, but it read across that he was really on the police side, you know, to me. Definitely. Um, because it was like, how are you going to have this white cop come, in, come into the house and talking to the women like that? Yeah. Like, he's just like, hold on. And then when it brought, like, the guy said something, he was just like, be quiet. <laughs> Like, excuse me? That voice, that voice on it. Yeah, I was going to ask you, like, how did you really feel about his performance? Um, here's the interesting <laughs> thing about Devron. I think Devron's one of the most talented actors that I know. His voice is so strong. Yeah, like, it's, it's he's, like, he's going to have such a great career in voiceover work and character work. So, and once again, full disclosure, he had been living in China for about a year, two years before oh. he made the short. You know, he would, went to did the L.A. thing. He went out to China. He had been doing some a lot of theater work production work out there and I'm like man I'm doing this short would love for you to do it you know and he like flies back to China like in two 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 weeks and once again this is with things happening and stuff as we know now it's a pandemic so truth be told this is like the first on-camera work he had done and probably going on three four years okay. so there was the rust factor knocking off but me wanting to collaborate with a friend kind of get a friend back into the bench there's things that I really love. I think the pinnacle of his performance, to answer your question, is the NB, you know, it's just them two one-on-one. Right. Stuff like that. And obviously, once again, as a director, growing and stuff and everything, I would definitely do a lot more crafting and prep work in terms of managing that voice. Because the cool thing about Devron is where some actors need that full monologue, clearly he needs one or two lines. Because when you hear that voice, you see those eyes. He's deceptively bigger than what he plays. Right. You know, he used to wrestle in high school, so he has a lot of physicality and stuff. So... And he was he would tell you this too. Me and Devron, we chop it up all the time. He's like, yeah, man, I like 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 my performance. Don't love it. And, you know, I gotta give you a shot. So you know, but uh, <laughs> he's a very 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 tedious tedious brother. But uh, you know, I think uh, interesting. Devron always keeps it interesting. He's yeah. definitely definitely gonna be that uh, last of Mohegans when it comes to the method actor. You know, so but um, so how did that make you feel as a as you know as a young black man, young black woman in terms of that? I think that tough intersection conversation we have to where. Yes, you're an African-American member of this community, but you do dedicate your life to the Blue Shield that has a very specific relationship with our community. Like, how did that read to you? I mean, I just felt like um, it, you can be a police, a black police officer, but you still need to show your community that you're essentially on their side as well. And I get, it just really didn't read that to us were, so. through his character because of the way that he was responding to what the other officer was saying. Like when, like I said, the guy was coming in and say like, you need to be quiet. Okay. And then he took that moment to tell them to be quiet. He should have just been like, 
you don't come in here talking like that or something just to show the ladies that he's on their side that's just how i felt about yeah, def- it definitely you with you Britt. uh <laughs> my dad my dad's a detective so i know a little yeah. bit about that and my brother has gotten into like a lot of trouble so like it's weird seeing that power differential where you're black but you're a cop so you you have you don't have that power in being black, but you have that power in being a cop, and you can get away with a few things. So, like, I'm trying to see, like, how do you wrestle with that? Have you talked to your dad about that? Oh, like, definitely not. No. <laughs> now, and that's the thing where, once again, I know it's a short, so we got to get in and out. And I really, I think I was really more in love with the Monet arc of it, the fe- the fe- the future film that is. The conversation because I think there's something to be said about vulnerability in black men on camera that dare I say it's not sexualized desexualized whatever you want to get into it and literally that is his whole arc is literally that like my little brother is dead and I've been put on leave and every day I have to look at the person who's carrying my, my niece or nephew mm-hmm. and I'm powerless to do something about it and I think going back to what you said to where yeah. there is a very much real world application of being a detective being a police officer but where does that begin and end in the context of your community? Because, and I would I would ask, you know, maybe it's a rhetorical question that do we expect more of our officers and law enforcement who look like us, knowing that, you know, they are working and navigating a system that is built on some level of systemic racism. Not, not all of it, you know, obviously it's changing, it's come a long way, you know, so let's not say that, but I do think it is a real reality to where it's just like, as, as high up as you can be in corporate America, you are working in corporate America. You didn't build a house. Right. So good for you if you get to the front desk and you're you're making six figures. Maybe you can, you know what I mean? So, well, I, but I feel like that, because then they, at that point, would have to ask themselves, why did they become a cop in the first place? Okay. To okay. protect and serve your community. So if you're a black officer, you need to be working for your community, yeah. not necessarily for the white man. <laughs> then, remind me again, he got, the brother got shot by a cop. And mm-hmm. they were trying to cover that up. No, well, in well, the film, and, and once again, in the film and stuff, when you read the screenplay and stuff, yeah. we'd love to get your feedback on it. He was shot unarmed-wise. And essentially, the, the police shooting framework that I use, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the officer, Sean Grobear in South Carolina. It's going on about seven, eight years ago, where literally he pulls around a guy at the gas station pump, and he says, hey, license registration. Registration. When the guy reaches for it, he opens fire on him, right? Mm. And literally, if I, if I, and the guy's like, why'd you shoot me and stuff and everything? And I think the cop wind up getting three years Something like that. But the whole point being is that was essentially, oh, sorry, that was essentially my context for Raymond's shooting, so to speak, right? Because having been the guy at the gas station with his friend, detained XYZ and stuff, you see in the lake of a split to where you could follow directions, as we know, not in terms of the political podcast, what can happen? Okay. Right. So to answer your question and stuff, Raymond was unarmed and he was shot by a cop. And the immediate scene stuff for conflict of interest, his brother was put on leave while the investigation is going on, i.e. officer comes over to update, right? i.e. the officer, I'm having a conversation with you as a police officer and to understand that you need to kind of protect our interests too, which is so, a big part of the piece. Yeah, so at, like, at that point of the scene, he's just like in job mode. He's not in like brother mode. I think that's yeah. what we see in that scene. Yeah. And, yeah, and also too, I think that's maybe, I think if anything I wanted to, I think the opening scene to kind of reframe what you asked me about, Devron, his best work is definitely him, his opening the porch crying with the flashback Mm -hmm. and then saying, because obviously on one hand and stuff, he does truly care and love his brother. But I do think, and this is something I think, 
in black America we struggle with to where when we get a good high paying job, whether it's production, corporate, otherwise, job becomes identity because job gives so much, job gives resources, opportunities and grow, blah, blah, blah. But then there are these intersections we get put at to where we have to choose. And sometimes that choosing is at the expense of your community, partner, significant other. And then it's like you have to make choices and it is so hard. You know, mm -hmm. now obviously what you just said and stuff and everything, that is double, triple amplified with law enforcement. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? To where it's like, we can't talk about doing good if we're not in, involved in the system. Right. And, you know, I, I'm very sure we all seen um, Crash with the pad down and stuff and everything to where on one hand and stuff, oh, you should have said something. You're not even a man and stuff and everything. But as we all know, as, as black men and stuff, I can't do nothing if I get locked up. <laughs> um, behind bars like i hate to say it's, it's, it's a long game so but i don't know but that being said that's the dice i want to throw out there yeah you know yeah. these conversations so, yeah. and that and that goes plays into activism as well as you we were talking about earlier um because it's like you know you could go to the marches all day long but like what else are you doing or you can be tweeting about it and talking about it but what else are you doing you know so you have to kind of like if you're going to be in it be in it if you're not no teeter tottering because like right now we <laughs> we're at a place where we just don't have no time for people being on the fence but i would say and this is a question because you know i'm i know as the as you young kids say caping <laughs> and you know <laughs> posing for the gram and stuff like that and everything right posing for the gram has activism become the new fashion statement and when i say that mm. it's like it okay there's a line in one of my movies to where books have kind of sort of become like the new art to where People don't really appreciate them for what they really are, but it's cool to say you have them. Right, it's cool for right. you to come into my house and see all these great books by James Baldwin, knowing down where I never read them. I can throw a quote here and there, but I don't really read them, right? Okay, a lot like people who buy art, right? Okay, now in terms of activism, right? And this is my push things totally differently, talk about in the feature. Have we as a culture and stuff, I think sometimes people take on the ideology of victimhood or based on whoever the victim is, Whereas it's kind of like, um, uh, okay, like I heard somebody say this about um, Jesse Smollett. Obviously, you know, he just got sent, oh, whatever, yeah, right? Yeah, that yeah. a lot of people who are elites, and when I say elites, you're of a certain financial background. You're talking about this white supremacy, this racism, all these evil things that may not apply to you day to day like it does us because we go back to our predominantly black middle to lower class communities, whereas you're going home to your gated community mm -hmm, and you're mm -hmm. surrounded by probably living amongst those who you say are part of the problem and you're going to those their barbecues. Mm -hmm. So I would say this in terms of activism, um, young soul black sister number one, you know, and my brother right here, <laughs> soul brother number one as well. Where do you feel we're going, what, 2022 and beyond in terms of activism? And I say that to where a lot of activism was going on for a year straight and some change. Some cities got burnt, brothers got killed. Some, I don't know if laws changed, but I think we're right back to where we were before, God rest his soul, George is on the ground. Has nothing to do with my movie. This is more so <laughs> right. stuff, the conversations I bring up right. in my feature film. But my thing is, I was one of the people that I was begged not to go out and protest because of how I look. My long beard, my locks, they're like, you look like the guy that will get cracked in the head. Mm. And now, mind you, when you hear me talking, stuff, college educated, well-traveled, parents are foreign and stuff, you know, someone affluent, right? But I was begged not to go. And also, too, I was told, like, look, don't take it the wrong way. Like, like you marching X, Y, Z ain't going to do a damn thing. So I say you're saying that to y'all kids and stuff because y'all y'all more hip, y'all more in it and stuff. How y'all feel about where we're at activism-wise, <laughs> where we're going? 
Do we need to have a conversation? I mean, are we so in love with victimhood and these other things where it's more cool to be on social media talking about it loudly, but at the end of the day, so if you know you're going to work with those who you say are the right. enemy. I'm sorry. I mean... Five-minute question. Right now, <laughs> right, I think right now it is a trend, like just being on TikTok almost 24-7, you see a lot of like influencers just hopping on that trend of, hey, this is going on, hey, this is going on, but what are we doing about it? Right, like, right. That's all I'm seeing right now. Like, I think it has to be a balance because, you know, I went marching a few times, but then you also have to, like, donate to causes. Like, what are these um, organizations that have the bail funds that are going to actually help the people? Because, again, like you said, marching the street can only go so far, but, like, what are we really doing? So I feel like you have to kind of, like, do both, not just... Like you said, it's a trend going on. People just want to say, hey, yeah, I was at the protest. Yeah, I was here when this was going on. I did that in the third. But then it's like, okay, when you went home, what else did you do? Did you just go to sleep? Like, what did you actually do? Yeah, Yeah, it's a loaded thing. I mean, I would always say we don't have enough judges and lawyers. Right. And I don't know, you know, just I've I've always been of the mind, to get a little political here, of the mind to where we need to kind of sort of be like the mafia in terms of buying our politicians. Mm. And... (laughs) You know, it doesn't mean we have to kill people, but, oh, hey, you're running for mayor, and you're going to get the mayor spot. But these are the five things I want to see happen in my community. And if you don't get them done, we will have you removed. Now, when you get those things done, that'd be funny. You'll be protected. You'll make sure a good. But like I said, we don't even move like that, though. You know what I'm saying? So that's what I'm saying to her. You keep saying not not to get political, but movies can be political. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They can can do that almost the same thing with movies. Like, Oh, don't don't get twisted. Any and every film that is ever made under the sun is political. Now, the question is, how high is the political volume? Mm -hmm. Clearly, Mm -hmm. with weight and stuff, it was so funny because when we wrapped the film, they're like, oh, wow, Edward, this is a really fascinating pro-life film. Or pro-choice film. And I'm like, oh, shit. Because to me, it wasn't that and stuff. It was literally about these things are happening and just people dealing with stuff. So, and I think that is the best art. That is the best conversation to have. If anything that I, I want to see more of from our creatives, our creatives of color across the board is just have the conversation, put it out there, ask the hard questions. Right. You know, like I think we've, yeah, so I, I digress, you know what I'm saying? But um, great, poli- all art is political. Now the question mm. is, are you political in the sense to where I'm all for conversations. I know I'm rambling on, sorry. I'm all for conversations. And as I tell all my friends in my creative circles, extended family, we can have a conversation about anything that you want. In terms of anything I've made, you have a problem with it. But it's going to be a conversation. Yeah. What I will not all that with representations of us in this quote unquote 2023. Do we want to see different representations of us? Or are we into going back to the Mickey D's of it all and we're just happy to be seen? Well, we no, at? I think there is room for more of us to be in different spaces. Um, I think we was having a conversation about this on one of our other podcasts because um, we reviewed um, The Harder They Fall. Yeah. And we were excited to see that because we rarely see black people as cowboys or in cow- Western movies. And if Shout we, out to majors. Right. Okay. And if we are in those movies, we're in servant roles. So, you know, there's still room for us to be in different genres and to shine um, because we go through emotions just like everybody else. So why can't we have those different type of films that show us in those different lights as well? Now, let me ask this question, because this is something that I go through a lot with my creativity to where there's literally, um, to me, um, are we ready to normalize black characters just being normal? What I'm about to say is, have you seen Manchester by the Sea? I've only um, Casey seen, Affleck. Yeah, yeah. I know of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, it's all it is about a guy who lost his family in a tragedy, leaves the community. 
his brother dies and he has to go back to that community and kind of arrange all the affairs right. and take custody of his nephew, right? Simple. Simple. By Kenneth Lonergan, great playwright, great screenwriter. Do we show up to see that film if Casey Affleck is a black character? And it doesn't even have to be Denzel or Will. It could be John Boyega. Right, 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 right. Zane. I feel you. I would definitely would because, again, so, I write those type of movies. You okay, know what I'm saying? Okay. Like, I come from a different place. Like, not all my movies are about drug dealing. I don't think I even have any drug dealing movies. I so, write emotional, internal conflict okay, okay. type of situations, you know? And so, because that's, like, going back to the point of um, validation, if a movie like that can be up for an award, it has a super white cast, and if a black person made a movie and it's all black people and it's literally about that same thing, why can't that be nominated for an award? Yeah, I think of... uh Last Black Man in San Francisco. Right. You know, if no, shout out again. Jonathan Majors. Majors. Jonathan Majors, Majors, Majors right. Yeah. He's hot right now. Again, you know what I'm <laughs> but yeah, great, great. And, and what I'm saying is, too, that's where I've been at, where it's been my creative struggle, my path to where it's like black people either have, there's a small box for black creatives to be in. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So what are your plans with the short way? Like, are you going to use it? Um to help, you know, fund the feature or what's your thoughts? Everything above. Um, we went on a small festival run with it. Shout out to the Black Cat Picture Show. We screened out there. I think we won the jury award for it. You know, um, they've been, they showed nothing but love. We played at two other festivals and really right now, um, the short itself is more or less an emotional litmus test for the character aspects of the feature mm -hmm. while also adding to my reel to where I'm in the process of trying to raise money for another feature, you know, character drama stuff, literally, um, ironically, a father-daughter story loosely based on my life from like the post-high school chapter in my life, so to speak. But it's kind of sort of part of the thing to where I believe in terms of me pitching anybody to like, hey, help me make this movie. I just want to show you the journey from where I was in film school right. to where I'm at right now in terms of how you plug in and just diversify the portfolio. So it's so it's out there for consumption. You know, those who know how to find it, find it. It's being shared and, you know. It's on Vimeo. Yeah. Give it to the world, you know what I mean? Let the word let the word speak for itself, you know? So you say that you're in the development phase of the feature. Um, is it like complete? Like the you got a first draft, like what's the your process? Tell me the feature for weight? Yeah. Okay, so Marco Flood literally if you told me Edward I got two and a half million dollars right now, I could be shooting in thirty days. Okay. I'll, I'll be nice to say So you ready. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's ready. It's developed. I feel really good about it. It's still the one thing I've written. Feature-wise, I think it's the best thing I've ever written. You know what I mean? And I'm not not just saying that because I wrote it, but it's just kind of like I look at I look at filmmaking as jazz music. So I'm going to go on a rant here, all right? I think the greatest art form ever, ever is jazz music. Mm. Why? Because if you look at what jazz has given us, jazz is kind of the fundamental foundation to almost all music, but almost we kind of sort of think about it all kind of came out of jazz in terms of, what was stolen from us, the baseline, stuff like that. So in terms of that and everything, I look at um, Marco Flood as um, one of our greatest artists who we don't talk about enough. You know, we're always going on and on about Michael, going on and on about Prince, and now Kanye, as we should, because they are <laughs> amazing, and they are, dare I say, we throw the G word around so lightly, but they are geniuses, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? I, I thought we were going to say go. You know oh, so <laughs> they, they, are, they are geniuses, but I think who's also a genius not just in his own right, but pound for pound is Miles Davis. Mm. And I say that from the standpoint of, you know, sidebar words, like when you look at the phases of Miles in terms of how he pushed the genre of music forward and stuff, 
that's what at least I try to do with my storytelling. I try to do with myself, so to speak. And the thing about um, Marco Flood as a feature, I writ- wrote it during a time and stuff, you know, really post post Trayvon being shot. Um, you know, I feel I feel terrible saying this because my family's from Charlotte, but old buddy who was shot in Charlotte, it was just a weird week we had in 2016, 2017, where it felt like over a 10-day period, people were getting shot who were unarmed. You know what I'm saying? It was happening. It was crazy. Like, what world are we living in, right? Yeah. And I just really felt like it was the conversation I wanted to have myself slash those in my circle about activism and create creativity and stuff like that. So to answer your question and stuff, shopping it around, you know, hopefully trying to find the actor brave enough who wants to be Marco Flood. You know what I'm saying? Because it is a star-making role or a star who wants to be challenged. You know, it's... Don't do it if you don't if you ain't really about it and stuff. And I think it's another thing too that we struggle with with our black actors to where we have so many great, great, great black actors, but it's so hard for them to take chances on indie work that doesn't necessarily have start dates, stuff like that, because there's so much politics of it and they have represent representatives yeah, to so. wanna win awards if uh, if you're in a movie like that. And no, nah, it'd be funny. It's just let's just be real. Do you wanna be in a film that's gonna be pro black? Like it's tough because I'm not going to say there's quote-unquote pro-white films, but there are films that normalize nuclear family, nuclear this, relations, all these things, right? But then, you know, if there's a film, like you said, where it's just that, it's just you and your husband trying to figure out how are you going to make the rent so you don't lose the house and stuff and everything, you know? And it's talking about what you go through in corporate America as a black woman and stuff and everything. It's not an attack on anybody else as much as highlighting experience. So I, I forget what your question was. But, um, <laughs> but it's I, okay. I, I sit here and say that to where like, I try to approach the storytelling, the writing of it, like a great jazz composition in the vein of Miles Davis when he was experimenting Bitches Brew-esque in terms of the form and structure is different. It's an ensemble piece. I think it's honest. I think it's raw. I think it's challenging. I think the characters are intellectual and they're smart, mm-hmm. which I, I hate this whole thing to where we can't be smart and intelligent. Social Network, great film, right? Blah, blah, blah. To me, that's kind of like my structure, my approach to the film. And I just felt like people are like, oh, well, black people don't talk like this. And I'm like, you know. But why can't we? Why can't we? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because they talk like that all the time in, in films that are predominantly white. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's my struggle also. Um TJ, do you have any last thoughts on his uh, short? No, I really loved it. It was like five out of five for me. I really loved it. All right, now here's a question for both of you. Did she keep the child or not? And what happens next after we cut the black, in your opinion? <sighs> I mean, in my heart of hearts, I wanted her to just go ahead and abort the mission. I'm sorry to say that, but as a woman, okay, they're like, okay, tell me because more, tell it's me more. for me, on my personal level, if I, that was situation, you know, if you were her, you if would I were her, I would just went ahead and got the abortion, for the simple fact that a I don't want to be a single mom because at that point she's a single mother. Okay. Um, despite your best friend telling you, I'm here for you. We can figure this out. Despite all of that. Okay. Because okay. and then you would want to move on to a new relationship and what you got a child and you already got all this baggage or whatever. Just go ahead and eliminate the problem. Like that's just me. And my, I guess I don't want to call it selfish, but like they said, you have to look out for you. Got to think about you. And that's just the way that I thought about it. Because again, personally, I don't want to be a single parent. Okay. <laughs> so then, at that point, you uh, would just under those circumstances. Under those circumstances. So, even with even with you coming into what we're perceiving as a support system, you just you don't want no part of it. Right. Don't, okay. Don't well, what we got, got Lieutenant? Uh, I think. Well, I hope. She kept it. Well, no, I wouldn't even say hope. 
my writing mind says she kept it, but like almost out of spite. Like the baby is like some sort of like not martyr or like a flag saying, hey, this person was killed. This is his child. And don't you mm. Hey. I see what you're saying. Kind of yeah. like a Fred Hampton situation. Well, I mean, she was too far along anyway, yeah, 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 but yeah. to get rid of it. Um, I mean, it kind of reads up that she did keep the baby because they, you know, caught it up on a sofa at the end. I think, like, if he, she would have got rid of it, he would have been mad or something like that. They wouldn't be caught up on a, up at I the see end. like a, a suing incident occurring really? with the police. Okay, so you feel like yeah. it's going to the legal ramifications yeah. they were. Um, so just go ahead and let everybody know where they can find you, where they can view more of your work. Well, if you want to see more of my work, reach out to me. I'm in the process of retooling my website, but I'm on IG, Mr. Underscore Varney. I'm somewhere on Twitter, but I'm not cool enough to know my Twitter handle. <laughs> so um, if you snoop around, you can find me and stuff. I'm losing the guy following and retweeting jazz album covers, but um, I'm around and through this soul system number one right here <laughs> and um, this brother right here. You can find my work, look me up. You know, I've um, got a short coming down the pipe. You know what I mean? Um, well, actually, a few short films coming around because um, I got the the vampire thing I was telling you about. I shot a proof of concept for it. So, soon, more sooner than later, you got work coming. So, gotcha. I'm around. Cool. All right, TJ, let everybody know where they can find you. Find me on IG and Twitter. Call me TJ, please. Oh, okay, then. Okay. No, not going to say please. Uh, please. Well, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black Picture Podcast. Um, until next time, peace. I know the next step, but these observers getting confused. I'm a first person soldier. You got third person motive. Yeah, so your opinions get refused And of course I'm getting older, less reminiscing, more reviews I realize it's a waste to spend 300 on some shoes Just because it has a picture of some dude from some school Who played for some pro team, making more money than you You can't chase after greatness if you buying into it You can't chase after patience if you trying to do it You can't chase after Haitians, they be flying through it Do it at your own pace, then grind into it Trying to be like Block Boy and over your music, hold me to it I'm a sliding through it.